Welcome. You're listening to the podcast Outlander Soul, Searching for the Soul of Outlander with me, Reverend Terry Menifee Gow. And me, Dr. Jamie Reeves. We love the book series, books one through eight, so we will be talking about them all, so beware. There are spoilers ahead. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Outlander Soul mm-hmm. podcast. Yes. Yeah, so this episode, we are going to be talking about honor and oaths. And oaths. Oaths. Yes. oaths. Kind of like oaths, but yes. oaths. <laughs> that TH sound that's so particular to English, so. <laughs> Not oafs. Oaths. <laughs> oaths. <laughs> Before we get started, we just wanted to let you guys know, just like we let you know last week, we have a store where you can buy some of our swag. It is at teespring.com. The store is Outlander Soul, and we've got t-shirts, mugs, bags, and stickers. We've got this wonderful quote from the Reverend Wakefield on there about paradox and how you find truth that way, and it's from the series. And so we would love to know if you wanted to have more of those types of things and different quotes on there and we're happy to to do that but we'd love for you to to start buying our swag suggestions yeah 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 yeah. and we are we're we're here to serve you yeah so the actual address where you go is teespring t-e-e spring.com slash stores slash outlander soul but i think if you go into teespring.com you can put us in the search and you'll find us so yeah outlander soul you can also just to remind you support us on patreon or via paypal we are doing this work and working hard to bring you content and feedback but yeah we need your support so if you could any little bit helps but it'd be great to have more people kind of joining up and supporting us in that way and we're really grateful for those who who already do we couldn't do it without you really so okay I wanted to start off with um, something that we didn't say in the last episode so we were talking about friendships Yes. In the last episode. Mm-hmm. And that kind of moved naturally. We're kind of talking about this kind of segue between friendships to then oaths and honor. And then moving on to vengeance and justice and, and that kind of stuff. So, but one thing, talking about the potential for, for vengeance as well as oaths and honor and friendships is this. Mm-hmm. I would love for somebody to do some work on the comparison between Claire and for any Game of Thrones people out there, Melisandre and Brienne. Ooh, that would be so good. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool as characters? So they're both, all three of these are fairly isolated characters. Yeah. They operate in men's worlds. Melisandre is this character who is different. She's the witch. She has knowledge that no one else has. And you know, tags along with the men in the story, giving them the knowledge to be able to make the decisions that they make. So Claire and Melisandre, I think, is a really interesting Well, and Melisandre tries to change the outcome of a battle. She does, right? She tries to change the outcome of a battle, as does Brienne of Tar. Okay, so Brienne as as well uses her power and is very isolated and is working in a man's world as well. Yeah, and Brienne is driven by honor and oaths. Yes, yes, she is. As are many of the men she works with and many of the men she fights with. Whereas Melisandre's like, Screw yeah. honor. Honor doesn't matter. It's just whatever the God <laughs> God of light wants, Lord of light yep. wants. Yeah. Pretty much she commits murder and mayhem and horrifying mm-hmm. things in the name of her God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I just I as I'm just thinking about these themes of kind of friendship and honor and oaths and vengeance, they because Game of Thrones is on the brain. Yeah, I'm just really and I'm I would love for somebody to do a paper on that or do some research on that. Wouldn't that be my Yes, it would be. Because I, I, I'm, I'm almost thinking of Melisandre a little more like the Gala's character. But given... Yeah? Yeah, given given a lot more reign than Gala's was given. Yeah. Given a lot more power. Yeah. 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 As an aside, some th- other observation that I've had. So at the time of recording this, Game of, Game of Thrones is about to finish. And <gasps> so it will have finished by the time this goes out. But I was having a conversation with someone who hopefully is going to be a guest this season, So, but I won't out her just yet. But a conversation about how people are talking about Game of Thrones. 
Especially, yeah. well, you know, because the books haven't been finished and the show has gone beyond the books, but the way in which people, you know, this whole petition going around about they should redo the final season because and have some decent writers. And I'm sorry, did I roll my about, eyes too loud? You, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, there are other things to be caring about, but hey, you know, stories matter for us, right? Please write a petition about people, my president. That's what I would yeah, really like yeah. somebody Sign to a do. a petition about the laws that just got passed in Missouri and Alabama. Seriously. Yeah, anyway. Um, uh, but the way in which people are talking about Game of Thrones as if, as we wish the writers had a focused on X, whatever that is. We wish the story had have been developed by and then fill in the blank as opposed to we really wish Brienne hadn't have begged Jamie to stay or we really wish that you know like it, so we're they we have we we have separated ourselves from the story and are looking at how the story has been put together as yeah. opposed to engaging with the story itself whereas for Outlander we do talk about it when the tv show changes something but on the whole, when we talk about, at least in the podcast, the way we do it, we're interacting with the text as it stands and saying, why did Jamie do that? Why did, you know, and so we would be saying, so yeah. why did Brienne feel like she needed to beg Jamie to stay? Why, you know, were these women as strong as we thought, as opposed to the writers have portrayed these women as not being as strong as they are? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean as far as, so... There has been a hermeneutical separation <laughs> in the way we're engaging with Game of Thrones as opposed to other stories that we've been dealing with. Yeah, what I understand has happened in the last season is that George R. R. Martin pretty much just said, this is where it needs to end up. Yeah. And he gave the writers free reign to get there. To get there uh, in however way yeah. they thought. And how it, so the plot yeah. points might be different than what you'll get in his book as he continues to write it. it might, he might be writing something completely different than what we're yeah. getting in the, in the television show. By this stage, I don't even know we're going to get the books, to be honest. Like, it, um, eh. Yeah, um, anyway. we're a little worried about that with Diana, too. So <laughs> <laughs> You're more worried about it than anybody else that I know of. I don't know. When I was there, when I, when I went to North Carolina and saw her speak the other week, Somebody actually asked that question, and I was mortified. Did they? They did. They were like, oh will you please hurry up? We're concerned you're going to die. And I'm like, what oh did you gosh. just say to Diana Gabble? What, you just said that to herself? You don't say that. That's just <laughs> not. What is wrong with you? So, How did she respond? She, she laughed and said, well, I'm writing them as quickly as I can, and hopefully we will get them written before I pass. So she mm. was just, I was mortified. I was mortified. Mm. So... I, you know, there is there is a possibility that we won't get those stories and that the story that's on the television will stand. The TV show will become canon, and I'm I'm not okay with that, but... I'm eh, not okay you know, with that. At this either. point, I'm kind of ready for it to be done, so... So, well, okay, so we're getting into Game of Thrones here, and I'm, I'm happy to get into it, but... So I, I've had a really interesting conversation with several people on this particular thing. First of all, if you're mm-hmm. separating out from the characters and talking about structure and plot... Mm-hmm. then you are absolutely not the best writer. The writing is not You're not writer. telling a good story. You're not telling yeah. a good story. And if I have to yeah. then go, the structure of the story, going from 60 minutes to 80 minutes does mess you up. It, it's, a, it's a time issue. It's easier to write mm-hmm. in something that you've written as a pattern forever. And so now you're putting it in a different pattern, so you've got to fill it. I yeah. understand, number one, why Daenerys blew up Westeros. I, I get it. I don't like it. Yeah. But she is a she is the goddess of war. She is mm-hmm. she comes with a, a sword that cuts both mm-hmm. ways. She comes mm-hmm. with fire. And mm-hmm. she has been saying this since the beginning. She has been. If you've been looking for it, it's been there. She she yeah. is the fire. And of course, the ice is up north and that's Sansa. Hmm. And so Sansa is the ice. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but she is totally icy. She is the ice, and she yep. she brings the ice. She is the cold, and and mm. steady, and she's mm-hmm. the one who rules in the north. Mm. Mm-hmm. Whereas John is 
both. <laughs> he, he is, is both. He is the song sure of really. ice and he is the song of ice and fire. Yeah, he is. Huh. He is both, and he. The idea I I've heard from the theories that I've heard from friends is that he is the temper. He is the temperament. He is the combination. He is the ice mm. is what tempers the fire, and the fire is what heats the ice. And and mm-hmm. he his his stark blood will help temper the crazy that is the Targaryen blood. Mm-hmm. What what I don't like about that. Is that mm-hmm. he's the only man standing. Yep. And it's going to come down to him. And it's going to come down to him. And all these yep. women who have, by their mm-hmm. sheer will, become mm-hmm. the rulers in their own right, will have to bow down yep. to that. Yep. And that really pissed. And they've said it over and over again. Well, he's the man and we kind of want him. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I am so angry <laughs> at that because I'm like, you know what? Daenerys was sold by her brother to someone else yeah. at the beginning of all of this. And she has clawed her <laughs> way back to becoming a formidable thing so that she kills a Lannister who also yeah. clawed her way up the poles and Sansa mm. who clawed her way out of an mm. abusive, two abusive relationships. And and they Three, have to four. yes, and they have to, <laughs> they have okay, to give many? the Iron Throne to a penis. What the yeah. hell? I am I, I am I will be very angry when that happens. But I get the yeah. whole symbolism of the ice and the fire, and I, I I get that, and it makes me angry that George R. R. Martin has chosen a penis. That's all. <laughs> Or that the writers yeah, of this. Have well, chosen. we'll see uh, how it. Yeah, how it pans out because we haven't seen the last episode yet. But yeah, um, I I would recommend though, and and this is I think we should probably stop talking about Game of Thrones. Yeah, we a whole podcast just on it, like a series podcast, like a whole new podcast. Um, but there's a the Nerd Nerdette podcast. Shout yeah. out to Nerdette, they are amazing. Yeah. So Trisha Babita and Greta Johnson run Nomad Podcast. It's out of WBZ and chicago we've done clips from from their show in the past but they do a recap episode with or series with peter sagel from wait wait don't tell me which is an npr show love and him. it's hilarious and they've yes. been actually the highlight i think for game of thrones for me is listening to their responses and <laughs> and they've been and for feminist response as well it's just been really lovely talking about friendship Going on to that, and I promise this will be the last thing I say um, about Game of Thrones. <laughs> I really wish they had have left it. And it, and sorry, sorry, spoilers. We've talked about the end of Game of Thrones. If you haven't watched it, whatever. Okay. I really wish Brienne and Jamie could have just been friends. I think the friendship w- between them was so lovely and could have been... Yeah. Such an interesting way of telling that story. And again, here we go. We're talking about how that story could have been told as opposed to why. And the writers went after the, Jamie, the sex. Yeah. The cheap thing. The writers went after um, the sex. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just, uh, they were, they made each other better. And that talking about friendships in the last episode, it was about how do we, you know, it, it, the biblical reference, iron sharpens iron, right? And so yep. how do we make each other sharper? How do we make each other better? And Brienne and Jamie made each other better through their friendship, not through bonking. And so it was just kind of a, yeah, it just felt like it cheapened that relationship by doing Well, that. it weakened and her. It weakened it, her. It weakened her. Yeah. It weakened like, her. Come on, Brienne, and... you're better than that. And his dastardly side comes out. It's yeah. it, it that yeah. really does destroy their relationship. Yeah. But yeah. then somebody also going back to kind of oaths and honor that Brienne is the ultimate romantic, the knightly honor, yeah. you know, sort of idea. And she has committed herself to Jamie now. And and of course she begs him to stay. You know, but but. Uh. You know, she wept over Renly. She wept over, you know. So it's possible. I can see it. I just didn't like it. No. I I, I mean, I, I like I said, I understood it. This is something that she would have yeah. wanted. And, you know, I think it was of all the arrogance in the world for Jamie to say, I'm the one who can give this to you. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. I will be the one to take your virginity because I'll do it yeah. responsibly. And yeah, I will do it with all generosity. the passion. You yeah. know, and I'm like... 
but you didn't love her. You had no yeah. passion for her in that way. And mm. that that's a rather I think he loved her, but as a friend. Of course he did. Yeah. He loved her as a sister. Yeah. And guess what mm-hmm. he did with his sister? So it <laughs> just... Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, he anyway, has... enough about Game of Thrones. Yeah. We need to talk about Outlander now. <laughs> okay. And we'll talk about a different Jamie and a different honor. Bit of honor. A different Jamie. Yeah. And different honor. Yeah. Yeah. So, <sighs> Jamie and honor. And he talks a lot about how his the idea of honor changes for him. And we see this change over time with him back in the... When we look at virgins, the, the, the book Virgins, mm. his honor is mm. what gets him in trouble. His yeah. The honor of a, a woman gets him in trouble. Yeah. And as Defending move, her honor. Hmm? Yeah. I'm sorry, what? Defending her honor. Defending yeah. her honor gets him in trouble. And mm. it, it goes from there to when he marries Claire. He's like, you know, you have the protection of my family, my clan, my, mm. my body, if it, if it comes down to it. All for her honor. Yeah. He he defends Jenny's honor with his life by being taken away by Black Jack Randall. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Dragonfly and Amber and he says, mm-hmm. "They're my folk and they're my folk and my family at stake and if they cost and if the cost of their lives is a banker's gold, well, it doesn't seem more a sacrifice than my own honor." So he's willing to sacrifice his honor. Yeah. For for the people he loves. Yeah. So honor is not the end goal. It is when it comes to, well, it seems that way when it comes to what happens to Fergus. And mm-hmm. we find out later, it, it, that's what Claire assumes, is that this had mm-hmm. to do with a debt of honor mm-hmm. about what Blackjack did to him. And we'll get into more of this when we talk about justice and vengeance and mercy. Mm-hmm. But as in Dragonfly and Amber, when Jamie attacks Blackjack Randall. He chooses not to attack Blackjack Randall, even though he Mm -hmm. wants to defend his honor. But he does attack him for what he does to Fergus. And I don't think it's necessarily an honor thing at that point. Hmm. I I think Hmm. it's more of a, I'm going to kill you for what you did to him. Yeah, so it's a vengeance thing. Yeah. As opposed to an honor thing. As opposed to an honor thing. Yeah, I'm okay. So maybe let's backtrack a little bit. What do we mean when we mean when we say honor? How do we define honor? Well, so some people define it as pride. Yeah. Some people define it as your character, the mm-hmm. whole the wholesomeness of your character, and some yeah. people re- respond to it as you know whether or not there is respect there. Yeah, yeah. For me, I, yeah, respect and dignity would be kind of the two ways I would be thinking about it. But I would also, so I think you can't define honor without thinking about its its opposite corollary, which is shame. Yeah. And so to to have honor is to be without shame. And to have shame is to be without honor or to be dishonored in a particular way. So I think it's, but we don't, at least within Western northern hemisphere society we don't really talk about honor much anymore we talk a lot about ego we talk a lot about ego we might say pride but do we i think it's there we just don't name it anymore what do you think well we certainly don't certainly don't name it like that i mean no because it sounds so antiquated yeah. And even when somebody talks about defending your honor and, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> when men come to defend a woman's mm-hmm. honor, mm-hmm. it's not really seen in the best of lights anymore. No. Because, you know, A, damn it, I can defend my own honor. and Yeah, because feminism, right? Right, yeah. right. Because I, you know, I do have my own honor and my own honor is not attached to my virginity. Mm -hmm. It's not attached to my body. It's not attached to whether or not I give my body to somebody else. That's not a fair Mm -hmm. measure of my honor. My honor also has to do with my ethics. It has to do with my morality, which Mm -hmm. does not have to necessarily do with my sex or my body or the, you know, so it, it has to do with how I treat other people and how I expect other people to treat me and how I treat myself. So, when I talk about defending my own honor, it sounds antiquated. It sounds, it has a connotation of, of, of patriarchy. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think, though, there's still something around reputation. Yes. And for character. Honor that we do and character and ethic and being seen to be a fair person or a just person. Or an or honest person. The, honest. Yeah, totally. So I think I think it's all still there. We just have lost the vocabulary. The vocabulary exists, but we just don't use it in that way anymore. Yeah, because it's perceived to be antiquated. Yeah. I guess what I'm just thinking about is as we have this conversation and we that it's important to say these things still matter, that we just don't talk about them like this anymore. No, we have a different vocabulary. And I'm, I'd be interested yeah. to know what that vocabulary is. Other than, well, you can depend on this person. They're a team player. And that's yeah. that's not fully capturing what this idea of honor is. Yeah. But yet, we do talk a lot about shame. Yeah. So we, we emphasize a lot on the negative side of things, I think. You know, Brene Brown's work around shame and vulnerability mm-hmm. and, being, you know, the, the risk of being excluded or we aren't vulnerable because we think we'll be shamed. So there, there is something about that, but I think you can't really talk about that without saying, how do we then recover our honor? How do we then act honorably? How do we then preserve or defend honor, not in an antiquated way, but in a way that, that is important, a value of that your keeps name. things important? Yeah, yeah. The value of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, before we get into that, we do have some lead, mm-hmm. uh, some feedback from our listeners. Um, and I feel yeah. like we need to at least address that real quick. So Marilyn, one of our faithful listeners, she says, I was glad to hear you say that you've rejected all the alls, that is the almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And that your reason for doing so involved the reality that to love is to be changed because love is to be vulnerable to others. Yeah, so going back to that vulnerability thing we just said. Right, yeah. right. And in many contemporary pagan traditions, change is viewed as sacred. Another name for the goddess or for the god mm-hmm. is that there's mm-hmm. change involved. Growth is not a straight line, it, but rather in spirals. And so we have the spiral dance and the three images of the goddess, maiden, woman, and crone. Mm. She Going ch- back to Game of Thrones. Yes, mother. the maiden, the woman, maiden, and the crone. The crone. Um, yep. That archetype changes everything she touches, and everything she touches changes. Mm. It is a familiar and much-loved chant in many contemporary pagan traditions. And so, so she changes everything she touches, and everything she touches changes. And I think women yep. in general have we, – we're known as the – the changing ones we are mm-hmm. you know we every month our body changes with mm-hmm. the with the season with our our body um it, it prepares for birth prepares for pregnancy which then changes as we're producing another human being with our body i yeah. i think that you know as we change we age i mean and men do the same thing too but their archetype is being much more stalwart yeah so change is not considered essential to their being or that's not what's held up for them i'm i'm struck by so for anybody who's read octavia butler's parable of the sower and parable of the talents i read that this past year there's mm-hmm. those two books and kind of post-apocalyptic dystopia kind of novels and they're amazing and the main character creates a new religion called Earthseed. That Mm -hmm. is, God is change, and change is God. And kind of based on, you know, feminine kind of ideas. And it it all, this all sounds very much like Octavia Butler's Earthseed. Well, yeah. And I mean, and and isn't it in direct opposition to the the changeless God? The immutable God. The immutable God, the passionless God, the, you know, the the one that never changes, is always the same, you know. Mm immortal invisible you know all that straight up you know <laughs> that that we have considered as a male god mm-hmm. this provides that oh my god we're getting back into the ice and fire thing but it provides mm-hmm. that tempering <laughs> everything we yeah. just talked about it provides the yeah. tempering to that that we've lost so much of the female side of god yeah. the idea that god does change yeah yeah and the relational aspects yeah, the relational aspect of God, because relationship is about change. It's about 
Yeah. You, yeah. you change yourself in relationship, in context with other people. Yeah. People will change you. Yeah. 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 So those people ultimately do Mm. change Jamie's idea of honor Mm -hmm. and his experiences with that. And we're here to talk about honor today and and Mm. shame, which I think we were talking Mm. quite a bit about before we got into Marilyn's quote. And we're grateful, Marilyn. Thank you so much for getting in touch with us and sending us your thoughts. That was really Mm. very, very insightful. And related to that, so we we talked a little bit about in the last episode too, kind of Lord John Gray and Jamie's discussion about honor and and you know the depiction of male relationships and friendships in the last series or in the last episode but in the in the Lord John Gray novels the and particularly sort of Brotherhood of the Blade there's this section where they have this conversation and and we talked about kind of you know Jamie's home, <laughs> homophobia but understandable you know given his experience kind of thing but it's connected to an honor shame idea because i mean one of the one of the issues i think in the way in which particularly male sexual relationships are are depicted is that there isn't honor because one must be less than the other and so one must be shamed there's you can't it's not depicted in an equal way because it's about power and it's about control and so i, I think it's interesting that because that's all Jamie's experienced is one being abused, one being shamed, one being less than. And, and so there's no way to preserve honor in that, how that's shaped or how in, in that particular type of relationship, that honor isn't, isn't the main driver there. Well, I, I think too, that honor was really what keeps him in the prison with Blackjack Randall though. Yeah. He gives yeah, his word. Because he made an oath. If you let her go, I will submit. And he knew he was going to die the next morning. Yeah. He was planning on being killed at the end of all of this. He was going to he was going to die with honor, knowing mm. that he had protected his wife. So he gives his body over to Black Jack Randall. Mm-hmm. The thing is, he survives. His wife comes yeah. and saves him. Yeah. And, and so now he has to live with the shame of what he did. Mm-hmm. The shame of what Blackjack Randall does to him. Yeah. Uh, that how he makes love to him in the most horrible of ways. And he says this. So he, he really just wants, he's like, when, when Claire asks him not to kill Blackjack, he mm-hmm. says, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm hiding and, and I don't even have a blade of grass to cover me. Yeah. You know, yeah. he is, he's exposed. He wants to kill him to defend his own honor there for what yeah. the man does to him. Yeah. And there's a fine line between honor and vengeance. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I say there's a fine line. Is there a fine line? Are they one and the same or are they not? I don't know. When does an act of honor become an act of vengeance or when is it not vengeance? I don't know. I mean, in defending your honor, can you defend your honor or the honor of someone else without violence? Without with, vengeance? With, without mm. hurting someone else. Can mm. you defend your honor honorably? Mm. That's a great question. I don't know. When we do hear about honor in, in our current context, though we haven't heard about it in a long time, but honor killings where women were, were killed because they were seen talking to a boy or something like that and and what 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 honor did they disrespect what the did family's they honor the family's, the family's name yeah the family's reputation the family's name of being she's not a loose woman you know but it was it was perceived to be a slight on the family of course i think that's all bullshit but <laughs> <laughs> but okay so there's something to be said about though because the name that you yeah. carry right there's something to be said about that. And there's a lot in scripture about the names that you carry. Totally. And, totally. and the and name. The oaths, the-, the oaths that you make are the reason by which you maintain your honor. Right. I mean, if you think about Jephthah's daughter mm. and oh, the oath he makes and song. the horrifying oath he makes. And we'll get into oaths later and we'll get more mm. into Jephthah's daughter later. But mm. it's his honor. It's his name that he must, he must maintain that oath. Well, to God, like nobody, I don't think anybody else necessarily cared, but he promised to God. So he had to keep that promise, or at least he thought he did. And he did. He ultimately keeps that promise and kills his daughter. 
mm-hmm. as a result. He wins the battle, and so he killed. The first thing he sees is his daughter, and he kills her. So that's that's the story. Maybe yeah, we just need to tell the story because okay. we're referring yeah. to it as if yeah. folks would know and they might not. So it's in Judges. And it's the story of Jephthah, and he's going to battle, and he promises God that he will sacrifice to God's to God's honor. So there's this idea around sacrifice as being something in which you honor God. Again, uh, not sure that's great theology, but anyway. So you make a sacrifice for God's honor. And so he promises to God, I will sacrifice the first thing that comes out of the door when I come home if you give us victory. And so, you know, they have victory. They win the battle. And who's the, what's the first thing that come out the door? But his enthusiastic daughter to welcome him home. And we don't even get her name. No, we don't get her name. So, yeah, horrible story. He is portrayed as being very disappointed or crestfallen that she was the first thing and not like his favorite goat or something, I guess. (laughs) Um, And and the interesting thing, I think, in that story is she says, okay, you need to honor your oath, but give me a month to mourn with the women in my community. We go up in the hills and we do what we need to do, and then I'll come back. And so going back to that the conversation we had in the last episode around female friendships, mm-hmm. I hadn't thought about that when we were having that conversation, but Jephthah's daughter's friends, if you're going to spend the last month of your life, and you know it's going to be your last month, right? <laughs> Who do you spend that time with? And she does it with the daughters of the... Oh, there's a, it's a phrase, but it's the daughters of the land or something like that. Yeah. And more in the fact that she's not going to get married and have children and that she will die a virgin. Else. Yeah. And that she's going to die a virgin. Yeah. Yeah. And then she dies. He kills her. He kills her. And because he honors the oath. Yeah. Horrible story. Uh, yeah. It's a horrible story. <laughs> and, and clearly that's where Jamie draws the line when we get to Dragonfly and Amber is that. Yeah. My honor is not more important than the life of my family. No. My, it, it, I value them. And before he was able to just run out and he would sacrifice himself for the honor of a young woman, which is what mm-hmm. he tries to do in Virgins. But mm-hmm. it, it turns out, obviously, that she's lied to him and mm-hmm. he would not be defending anyone's honor. And it, it, it informs him about what this honor thing might actually be. Dougal yeah. doesn't seem to have the same kind of struggles with family and honor. No. But he does with Scotland in honor. Yeah. I would say honor is still really important to him, but his oh, yeah. motivators for honor are different. Yes. I have no answers here. I have just only questions, really, of kind of, so honor in and of itself isn't a good or a bad thing. What makes honor ethical or unethical is why you do what you do to preserve or defend your honor, maybe. Yeah. So honor is a fairly ambivalent, ambiguous but there's so many things written around that. I mean, there's so mm. many laws written around this idea of defending. Isn't there? Yeah. there. I mean, it's part of, it's just kind of part of our cultural lexicon, I think. I feel like I'm the fish trying to figure out the water around me all of a sudden. <laughs> Going, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, I do. This we is do somewhat sort of cloudy. swim in it and we don't really get a chance to really think about it. Yeah. Um, so, okay. The folks that... You know, okay, so we're talking about kind of religion is certainly fitting in with a lot of this that we're saying. And I'm always struck by the folks who feel as if they need to defend God's honor. Like somebody says something that is blasphemous or, you know, heretical or or something like that. And, And they feel as if God's honor needs to be preserved or defended by us as opposed to God being able to take care of God's self in some way. And so I, I don't know where I'm going with that necessarily, but just thinking about, you know, okay, so Jephthah's daughter, the honor killings, the defending of honor, all that kind of stuff. And, and the whole, for women, we can fight our own battles. We don't need you to fight them for us. But this kind of idea, I guess, patriarchy, whatever, we think we need to do that for God. But um, but so there are a lot of men out there that still are fighting some of our battles. Oh yeah. And 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 honestly, we've been trying to fight our own battles for centuries and have yeah. just been swatted away in many ways because we've yeah. not had the power, the respect or the honor to be able mm-hmm. to to be seen as people of value or we even have full humanity. 
mm-hmm. to be able to defend our own honor and that we actually don't have honor apart from what we do with our sex. <laughs> yeah. What what we yeah. do with our intimacy, what we do with our bodies. And mm-hmm. we've been having this this issue still, the idea that what's going on in the United States in state legislatures right now with the mm-hmm. idea of women not being able to control their own body has to do, I think, too, with this mm-hmm. idea of honor and being able yeah. to control something that we they don't trust us to control. Yeah. But an interesting point I think we need to we need to remember for especially in the context of Alabama, that law was written by a woman and it was signed by a governor that yes, was a woman. A female. So there are women who are signed up to patriarchy and <laughs> and will defend it to their dying death. Yeah, because it benefits them. Because it benefits them. It benefits um, them to do this. And that, yeah. again, that goes into what I was saying in the last episode having to do with women who tend to undercut each other and have some difficulty with making friends because they're in competition with each other. This has consistently happened between white women and women of color for centuries. White women like you and I have had the power and we've Mm -hmm. not had the power over the men, but we have had the power over women of color. Yeah. And so we use it. We've abused it. Yeah, absolutely. And this consistently comes up with feminist conversations, particularly when you're talking with feminists who are women of color. They're very suspicious of women like us, and they should be, because Mm -hmm. there's a history. They have every right to be, yeah, they're like, you've not had our backs. No. (laughs) You're not speaking for all women. You're only speaking for white women. Right. And middle middle to upper class women, probably even at that. And the white woman who is the governor of Alabama just used Mm -hmm. her Mm -hmm. power to completely disenfranchise I don't know how many women in poverty. It absolutely impacts women of color and women in poverty to a much greater degree. Because there will always be abortions, by the way. Oh, yeah. It'll just be for those who can afford it. They will always get safe abortions. But the women who who are living in poverty will not. Mm -hmm. They will get abortions and they will die. Or they will have their children and and they will live in poverty. It will continue that cycle. Yeah. That was my soapbox. Sorry. (laughs) It's all. No, 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 no. It's all connected, right? So Claire says an interesting thing about honor that maybe goes back to this kind of definition question and what, you know, when is it honor and when is it vengeance and all that kind of stuff. And she says, this is in Dragonfly and Amber, and she says, honor has killed one bloody hell a lot of men. Honor without sense is foolishness. A gallant foolishness, but foolishness nonetheless. Honor without sense is foolishness. It's the man of La Mancha. You know, it is, it's, you know, it's Don Quixote fighting the dragons that don't exist, fighting the windmill for his Esmeralda. And it's, it's, Mm. you know, in, in the play, it's considered the greatest man of honor, right? Mm -hmm. But in Mm -hmm. reality, it's not. And Mm. I, you know, Claire comes through a war and sees Mm -hmm. several wars, right? Mm -hmm. And she sees this honor bleeding on the field yeah she sees the stupid prince prince charles who wants Mm -hmm. to come in and claim his throne and his honor and i i think the fine line and it's really fine has to do with power and ego yeah i think it does too it it has it i mean of course i'm the liberation theologian so i think everything has to do with power but Mm -hmm. even even the sense that it's your own ego i mean i yeah i get this way when i drive so <laughs> I'm an idiot when I drive. I am the worst person in the world. Road right rage, you mean? <laughs> it's true. I, I I am not a Christian when I drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I have to say I'm with you there. Also in the grocery store with, with shopping carts too. I get shopping cart rage as well. Yeah, it, yeah. and it's, it's because I feel like I'm defending this thing of justice i'm in my car i'm in my chariot and i'm i am i am doing the good that's out in the yeah. world and yeah. somebody else who get out of my way <laughs> cuts me off or won't go fast enough or who mm-hmm. you know clearly turns left from the right lane you know mm-hmm. and, and puts me in danger 
or put yeah. someone else in danger. Or I feel like I'm defending my honor when I flip them the bird. And I'm just... <laughs> I'm just... a sense of the way things should be. Right? Yes, exactly. They, they and have... I know the way things should be. It's very much yeah. a thing of control. And it's really just me being a jackass. It really is. It's me... Not having control of the situation, getting scared and behaving like an asshole. And I shouldn't do it. And I do it every time. It's, I'm, a, mm-hmm. I'm a total – because I think I know I, – I have mm-hmm. honor as a good driver. Mm-hmm. I, I consider mm-hmm. myself an excellent driver. I consider myself somebody who You're knows the to road. Sound like Rain Man. I'm yes, an I'm an driver. excellent yeah, driver. I'm an excellent really driver. good, great <laughs> driver. Yeah. And so I, I consider myself that. And I take – you know, because women have – in the past, been laughed at as drivers. Yeah. And I, I take driving very seriously. And so it, it's just a very small and stupid thing. Mm-hmm. But it's an ego point for me. It totally is an ego point for me. And yeah. I, I have the power to make somebody's moment really bad by sticking up my middle finger at them. And I take <laughs> that moment and I do it. And then I feel really bad about myself later. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, but give people guns and knives and mm-hmm. something much bigger to fight over, mm-hmm. and you call it honor, mm-hmm. and and you you call it the Civil War here in the United States. That was yeah. very much fought over. Well, it was fought over the idea that people could own other people. Yeah. And that you had called those folks who own slaves, who own enslaved peoples, you, you called them mm-hmm. immoral. Oh, now mm-hmm. it's a fight about my honor. Mm-hmm. Now it's a fight about my ego. And really yeah. it was a fight about money and whether or not they could continue this economic system that owns people. But it becomes this thing of honor. And that's what stuck. That's the story mm-hmm. that's stuck here. Yeah. That's the, the mythology of the great lost cause that has yeah, stayed. That it was about honor. And it's yeah. not. About it's, maintaining a way of life. No, um, no. It was not about yeah. honor. It was it was Just very much about maintaining a certain group of people's way of life. Yeah. Not the people that mm. fought and bled on the field, for sure. They were the, the poor folk. Yeah. Yeah, I say foolishness. I mean, you're the evil as well. But yes. yeah. Yeah. So I think we've been fairly clear that honor can, yeah, I think I think it might be important to reiterate that honor maybe is an ambiguous term, um, not necessarily a good or a bad thing. That there's a, at times when it's to evil and times when it is to good, and that there's somewhere differentiation as to when it's good and yeah, when it's bad. Yeah, as between the sense of who you are as a character and whether or not you are a fitting person to be yeah. in and or lead a community. Yeah. And and whether or not this is all just about your ego. Yeah. So in Outlander, oaths and debts of honor. What are a few? First, I, so Myrta's oath to Jamie and to Ellen, I think, as Jamie is wee bar- was wee bairn and child, and his feeling that he betrayed that oath in Dragonfly and Amber, um, which one betrayal negates all the other times he'd up- upheld it in previous times when he's protected Jamie and when he's been able to to do what he needs to do. But it's that that's an oath that is made as godfather to Jamie's mother yes. and then to Jamie himself. Because he was in love with Ellen. And when she marries Brian, he mm-hmm. then becomes the godfather to her children and takes on Jamie as if he is his own. I, I find it interesting that all of everything that you could ever do that's good mm-hmm. is completely wiped away by one betrayal. I know. And not and it wasn't even a betrayal. It was, you know, allowing <laughs> not being able to withstand an attack and, and then Claire and Mary are are attacked and Mary's raped. Yeah. And her honor is is destroyed in the rape. The honor yeah. of the day because her body has then been violated and she is of no yeah. value any longer. So it wasn't even a betrayal. It was, but Marta certainly saw it as that of not being able to defend them right. despite him being knocked out. Well, yeah. so I, I look at it as now. It, I obviously Marta cannot, could not be all things. But had he died in that, I think he would have felt better. 
<laughs> he died in that attack. <laughs> At least he would have so died trying. There's something trying. around sacrifice for honor, right? We've right. talked about Jephthah's daughter, but there's something about sacrifice there. But there is also the honor of like an intimate relationship, like a monogamous intimate relationship that mm-hmm. you have. That you can have this amazing intimate relationship for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, but one betrayal. Yeah, and it's gone. And it's gone yeah. because the trust is gone. And yeah. so can Jamie trust Murta with them anymore? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I think that might Good be, point. that might push to some of what Murta is feeling. Yeah. As he wants yeah. to be trusted with them. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So another example, Lord John Gray's debt of honor at Preston Pans yep. to Jamie. Yep. Lord John Gray at Preston Pans is captured and he defends the honor of Claire <laughs> in a complete setup. <laughs> he knows the movement of Blessing his, he knows that he's, that. Lord John Gray is, is working for the English. He is, he's <laughs> fighting for the English. He's only 16 years old. He gets captured by Jamie because he's been sneaking around. And Jamie wants to know the the movement of the troops. He wants to know where they are. Mm -hmm. And he won't tell him he'll die. He'll go to his grave for the honor of England. (laughs) (laughs) And he's fully prepared to do that until Claire comes in and says, you know, maybe if you were to try to attack me, this whole beautiful (laughs) honor thing that you did back in Virgins would come Mm -hmm. back and he would then give you the information. So Jamie pretends to try to attack and rape Claire. And John Gray spills his guts. And, mm. <laughs> and Jamie could then kill him because John, Lord John Gray tried to kill Jamie. But he, yeah. instead, he, he releases him. He lets him go. And so John says, then I owe you my life. Yeah. Right? There's a life debt there. There is a, there is a blood a debt. debt of honor. Yeah, debt mm-hmm. of honor. And so when Jamie is captured not too much later, uh, maybe a mm-hmm. year later at Culloden, mm-hmm. and is to die. Lord John Gray's brother knows of this debt of honor, mm-hmm. and he yep. he has to the debt of honor, the the blood debt, is clearly mm-hmm. much more important than his oath to England. Honor, honor. <laughs> yeah, than than the honor to England. The blood yeah. debt is more important. So there is a hierarchy here there of is what a hierarchy you swear of by. Honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a hierarchy in this of uh, I owe you a life. I owe mm. you my, my brother's life versus mm. I owe England my death, mm. you know? So this is the only reason Jamie lives is because Diana has conveniently set up this blood debt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. So, okay, Jamie's oath to Alexander McGregor to return the Bible to his mother. Speak about that. Remind me about that Alex's, story. Alexander's Bible is the one that Jamie had in prison. Mm. And we think that that was the Alex that Blackjack Randall right. um, was talking about. Not his brother Alex, but Alexander McGregor, who was probably also used and abused by, by Blackjack. And he commits suicide, does he not? I can't remember how else he would have died unless Blackjack killed him. No, I'm pretty sure he committed suicide. I remember. I think he committed suicide. I remember yeah. the the person who gave him the Bible, the priest that was in the prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, said mm-hmm. something to Jamie about that. Yeah. Yeah, I think he hung himself or something. So there was an oath and a debt of honor around that as well. That Jamie sort of kept that precious and needed to to make sure that that happened. And it was kind of an oath he makes to. I guess he makes to a dead man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. I mean, it's something we would do, We, you know, in honor of someone or, or in memory. You know, like you just, I've had friends talk about, you know, their father died. And so, you know what? I, I need to honor his memory right. by doing this. Or deathbed um, promises people make to each yeah. other. Right. Right. Yeah. The things they promise me that you'll take care of this person. Promise mm-hmm. me you'll take care of that person. Or that you won't ever do this, you know. And those carry a lot of weight. They do. They're the last memories you care you have for somebody. Mm-hmm. And if you make those promises mm-hmm. and allow them to go off into wherever they go, the idea that they're still with you with that promise. And if you don't do them, there's a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. Yes. Yes, there is. Isn't that interesting? Mm. Yeah. So the gathering? Yes. Oaths of loyalty and obedience at the gatherings, both in the first book and in fiery cross the oath that 
the Mackenzies say to each other, I find to be mm. really, really interesting that mm. they that they swear not by a person. They swear mm-hmm. not by God. They swear by mm-hmm. the cross of our mm-hmm. Lord Jesus Christ and by the holy iron that I hold. So they're holding their their sword or their dirt. The cross and their sword. Yeah. Yeah. And they give you my fealty and pledge you my loyalty to the name of the clan Mackenzie. If mm. ever my hand shall ever, shall be raised against you in rebellion, I ask that this holy iron shall pierce my heart. So the New Testament, there's some there's stuff in the New Testament that says you shall not make any kind of a, a pledge or an oath or swear by the name of God. Mm, that's in the Hebrew Bible. That would be, yep. you know, <laughs> one of the Ten Commandments. And, and yet people do all the time in the Old Testament, and they do all the time in the New Testament. But it's taken very literally here, and it's taken that Mm -hmm. they do not swear by Jesus Christ. They swear Mm -hmm. by the cross of Jesus Christ. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. Huh. As a means of of avoiding blasphemy. Yeah. And Jamie, of course, as we know, does not take that oath. He comes up with his own oath that has nothing to do with becoming fealty to the clan Mackenzie because this is the yeah. issue Jamie is not he's Mackenzie but his name is Fraser Fraser and he's a laird in and of himself and so by mm-hmm. if he were to pledge fealty to the clan Mackenzie then it puts him in a very precarious situation politically and so he doesn't he says my name is the name that I owe to that's my name of honor but I mm-hmm. will never raise my hand against you Hmm. Yeah. I, hmm. I will give you my obedience as a kinsman and a laird and hold myself bound by your word as long as my feet reside on the land of Clanton Mackenzie. So the moment he crosses over into Clan Fraser, he's able to do whatever he wants to do. Hmm. So other oaths in Outlander that stands out to you? Well, there's the marriage vow. Blood of my blood, bone of my bone. Yep. There's the mm-hmm. honor that goes with that, the honor of the marriage, the actual relationship and keeping the marriage pure and honorable and Jamie being the one to protect Claire. I mean, that's how he mm-hmm. views his role as her husband and then her doing the same for him. So they say the wedding vows, which are the Catholic wedding vows, but then they do this yeah. pagan rite with the blood. A blood vow. Yeah, the blood vow. Which they do in the gathering as well. Yes. They do. Because what is it? Roger calls calls on Roger to cut him. And then, of course, Jamie and Claire do that as she's about to go back through the stones. Right. Blood of my blood, mm. bone of my bone. And Roger mm-hmm. uses that whenever he claims Jemmy as his child. Mm-hmm. Roger comes up and says, you know, cut me. And I've come to swear an mm-hmm. oath to our sheer blood. And he doesn't look at the child, doesn't look at Bree. But he takes that mm-hmm. blood, puts it on the child, and looks right at Jamie and says mm-hmm. this oath. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, a blood, it's a blood oath, which apparently mm-hmm. still has a lot more meaning than any other oath to the clan. Talking about oath to the clan, so Jamie's oath to Claire after the spanking is the same oath. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so he pledges fealty to her mm-hmm. and not to the Mackenzies. Yeah, she's got the higher mm-hmm. priority. Yeah. And that seals it for me. I was just like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. That sealed yeah. it for me because she told him, she's like, if you ever come near me again, I will, I will stick you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and that's what's different in the books too. I mean, there's lots of difference in, in relation to the, the, the spanking scene, which we talked about with Amy, but he doesn't make the same Mackenzie vow ple- fealty pledge to her in the TV series that he does in the book. Instead, she holds well. Actually, the knife he does. To him. No, he does. I remember that moment. He does he? Yeah, yeah. She she ignores. I him. thought she's like swear it, and he swears, but he doesn't say I swear by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Iron he, that I hold. He does. He holds. I think he, does he? he 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 kneels down before her and he holds that. That dirk up to him, and he says, "I, sw- uh, I swear to you." Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. He and, does. And you're then right, she right, takes right. that dirk and puts it to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The same in the midst dirk. of yeah throws. Yeah, yeah. Huh. And they seal it yeah. with more okay. than blood. You're right. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. Again, I was done. I was done. <laughs> <laughs> That's a disturbingly sexy scene, and I am sad to say yeah. that I was I was very turned on by that scene. <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay. So all the all the vows that we've we've talked about, and all the, the honor debts of honor, and all the honor that we've talked about has been mostly for men, by men. Yeah. Except to defend the honor of a woman, but she's the passive person in it all. So what about Claire? So Claire is constrained, I think, by oaths as well, but not in this. So the Hippocratic oath yes. of the doc of being a doctor, right? right? So even when she's kidnapped and she's raped, that she still tends to the wounds of her captors. Maybe even before she's done the Hippocratic oath, you don't do that until you become a doctor, right? You don't do that as no, no. Did she have given had that no you, that oath as a nurse. No, she didn't have that oath as a nurse. It's it's a doctor yeah. oath, yeah. So she was doing that before she actually became a proper proper doctor. Mm-hmm. And then when she's offered the blade to kill the one who has nearly killed, you know, nearly killed her, she can't do it. So she's, she's not able to take a life even before she's taken that oath. So it's a personal ethic. She does take a life, though. She kills the young man in the field. Oh, that's right. She does. She does take a life. And that's in Outlander. That's the first book. I mean, she takes that to confession. Yeah. When she's talking yeah, she to does. Father right. Anselm and she's she's like, mm-hmm. I, I had to do this. I had to take a life. It was it was me or them. But she's regretted mm-hmm. it. She continues to regret it. Mm-hmm. And it haunts her. Yeah. And and those who come to her, she she allows the the man who is gored by the boar to die on the field. She allows mm-hmm. others to die in triage. But she she's she's there to heal as much as possible in so much as she can. And she also mm-hmm helps that man in the hospital kill himself. She administers yeah. the, the morphine. But then again, it's kind of, this comes back to, it's not a pure preservation of life idea, but about preservation of dignity yeah. idea. Yeah. And the preservation of your own. She's got an oath to protect her husband and her husband's clan too. Mm-hmm. She has mm-hmm. said these things as well. And to protect mm-hmm. herself and to protect the others, she kills the young man in the field and they yeah. kill Dougal and they kill Dougal together yeah well at least in the television show they do in the in the mm. book I think it's Jamie that kills him it's just Jamie yeah but she participates so in a breath of snow and ashes there's this conversation between Jamie and Arch bug mm-hmm. and Jamie says to Arch there's an oath upon her and she says they were speaking in Gaelic, but that she understood them. And Jamie says that she may not kill, save it is for mercy or her life. Right? So mm-hmm. we've just kind of talked about that. And it is myself who kills for her. Yeah. So Jamie's code of honor is to kill for Claire. Yeah, because he's the warrior and she's mm-hmm. the healer. And then Ian says, and me, or and I. Yeah. So Ian takes that on as well. Right. I find it interesting huh. that the last episode, which, you know, reflects the books, mm-hmm. is the man of honor. Yeah. And the idea that we, we think it's Roger that's the man of honor here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last episode in, the, in season four, I should say. And we think that it's Roger who's the man of honor who returns to Bree because mm-hmm. he is a man of honor and does the right thing, does the ethical, mm-hmm. moral thing in coming and claiming the woman that he's handfast to, mm-hmm. that he's made promises to, and that would that would reflect poorly on his character to leave her behind. Yeah, it would be the honorable thing to do right. for him to come back. Right, but really it's Ian that is the man of honor. He wants mm-hmm. to be the man of honor like his Uncle Jamie. He comes to become that by giving up his identity and by giving up his clan, the clan mm-hmm. that he swore to. So he makes a sacrifice. He pays a price. Yeah. He makes an oath. And becomes a new person. And gives up everything. So that he can buy a man that he's never met before. He buys that man with his with himself. That oath of honor, that moment of, of selflessness, cements him as a grown man for Jamie. Cements him as yeah. now the man that he needs to be. And mm-hmm. he loses him in the same breath. But Jamie doesn't force him to come back. That's the other thing. He respects that honor. I'm struck again by the earlier conversation about how we're talking about Game of Thrones as what if, why did the storytellers decide to do it that way? And the way we're talking about Jamie decides this, Ian decides this, this is, it was, you know, like it, it's just, yeah. yeah. I'm struck by how beautifully constructed that story is. Yeah. And how we don't question why Ian made that choice because it feels right. 
we mourn the choice. We mourn the choice, but we honor that choice. Yeah, yeah, we honor the choice. And Claire makes some pretty horrible decisions too. Oh, yeah. But mm. we don't mourn hers either. Brie makes some difficult decisions. We honor her decisions as well. We get them. Mm-hmm. We understand. So going back to a couple things, the conversation we had in the last episode around friendship and Marilyn's comments about the goddess and change and maiden, crone, and mother. Let's kind of focus on more the the feminine side of this kind of stuff. There, there's a few notes here that as we were kind of preparing for this episode around female archetypes and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. So where are the connections here, you think, Terry? So Claire, we're saying kind of Claire seems to be lover, mother, lady, crone, but not friend. Well, and you don't really see friend in female archetype. Ancient female archetype, you don't. Mm. You don't really see sidekick. <laughs> That's not mm. really. I mean, in our in our modern archetypes, you get sassy friend, sassy female friend. Oftentimes it's sassy black friend. And, mm-hmm. and that's an archetype that we have used to keep African-Americans in certain roles in our stories. A racial uh, trope. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. Racist it's, trope. It's, it's unfortunate, too. So you, you've got some friend archetypes that we have mm-hmm. in our current stories. But in ancient archetypes, you just don't have them. You have, like, the goddess and the earth mother and the warrior and the oracle, the wise woman. Mm-hmm. Claire is more of the healer. She heals Jamie a lot with what she does with their intimacy. She doesn't heal other people with that intimacy, but she does with Lord John Gray. She's got the Oracle thing going, though, too. Well, she does. Absolutely. And she's also got some of the warrior piece, I think. She is, she's willing to go to war with her husband Mm -hmm. and with others. So she's got some of that, but she's the healer in that. She has the oracle, obviously. She doesn't know why she's got it. She's the wise woman. Mm -hmm. She can foretell the future because she's been there. I don't know if I would give her goddess, but I would certainly give her like earth mother. She feels like earth mother to me. What dimension then, I I guess my question is, how is honor different? How are oaths different in that context? I see. Or are they? Are they the same? That's a really difficult one. It is, isn't it? I think each role that you... And we'll post these roles on mm-hmm. on our Facebook... I mean, not on a Facebook page. Well, maybe on our Facebook page, but definitely on, on our, our website. Yeah, certainly on the website, yeah. I think that there is honor in each of these archetypes. Mm. That for the oracle, the honor is telling the truth. Claire tells the truth sometimes, but she also lies sometimes in order to protect herself and her family. The healer always heals. The healer does yeah, no so harm. So the honor is in healing. Right. The healer does no harm. That's that's their that's their foundational of honor. The mother, the earth mother, is all about the creation and the nurturing and the sustaining of mm-hmm. all. So she's also similar to the healer in the sense that she is not really there to do the harm. But the warrior yeah. is there to protect. Both mother and warrior, I would say the honor is in sacrifice. Yeah. Just one is a masculine sacrifice and one is a feminine sacrifice. Yeah. Not saying one is male or female, but there's, you know, warrior would be perceived to be a masculine thing as opposed to feminine. And as a healer, Um, you're really giving of yourself to heal. You're really giving of who you are. And as an oracle, you have the opportunity that the truth is not the easy thing to say, but you cannot be trusted if you don't. You cannot be the oracle if you don't tell the truth. And that's the encounter between Claire and Marsley, but not Ferguson and Leary's Marsley, but Marsley the seer at Lovett's. Yeah, at Lovett's. She mm-hmm. does not want to tell the truth. She she doesn't tell the truth to him, and he doesn't trust her. He knows she's lying. The goddess is hard, though. Isn't it about justice? Doesn't that get us to the point where we're at vengeance now? I think it has that to do with that. The goddess is related to the honors around justice? It's Yeah. It, it, it does relate to power and the proper use of that power. And sometimes that's justice and sometimes that's mercy. And we'll be getting yeah. into mercy in another episode. So. Yeah, we'll do that in the next one. So, yeah, around justice and vengeance and mercy. 
I don't know that I have any more to say at the moment. I've got lots of questions and I need to think about these. Yeah, I, like like with the tantric lover, I'm like, you can't be the lover without intimacy. So you have to be, yeah. you have to be vulnerable. That's your power, right? That's the power yeah. to, to, to draw in and to connect that, that lover, yeah. that tantric lover is yeah. the one that reaches the, the heights only with the exposing and the opening of yourself. So that's where you're honor lies is in the ability to be as open and as vulnerable as you can possibly be. That raises huge questions for me. Yeah, it does for me too. Good questions, Jamie. Thank you. I haven't thought about this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So to recap, somebody needs to do some research on Claire, Melisandre, and Brienne and look at all of these archetypes (laughs) and where honor plays a role, right? Right, Um, right. So yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna think about these, mm-hmm. and we'll come back and talk about and maybe um, do a whole episode on it. This, Woo! Yeah, <laughs> we'll connect them in the next time when we talk about vengeance and justice and mercy. All right, we will talk to you in the next episode. Thank you right. for listening. Yeah, see you later. Bye. That's it for this episode of Outlander Soul. Thanks for listening. If you love what we do, give us a review, especially on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, because it helps people find us. If you listen and you like what you hear, please consider supporting us financially. Just click on the support us button at our website, www.outlandersoul.com. There's lots of ways to donate and every little bit helps. Also, we love hearing your comments, questions, and ideas for the show. So we'd like for you to join in the conversation. You can reach us through our website, email, voice memos, or social media on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr. By email, you can email us at Podcast, all one word, at gmail.com or via our website at www.outlandersoul.com. Thanks again, everybody. See you again in a couple of weeks. Bye. Perfect. Print it.